everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Well, good morning, church. Wherever you are, I want to I ask you to turn to Philippians chapter 4 this week as we start looking at the Bible top five, five most popular verses of the Bible. And as we turn to Philippians 4, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, by the power of your Spirit in every, in every place, in every place where your fires of worship are burning across the city, the nation, Lord, open our hearts to receive your word. Open us to your word. Open your word to us. In the power of Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Philippians 4 at verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and, and I know what it is to have plenty. I, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. This is God's Word. We're grateful. I can do anything. What is your superpower? I think we've we've all got one. My wife, Abigail, her superpower is the power of smell. She can smell. She can smell bad trash from like a block away. That trash is bad. uh, My superpower is hearing, although it's kind of fading away, I have to admit. But I used to have the superpower of hearing. I could hear if a light had been left on in another room by the sound that the light bulb was making, right? Superpower. And I mean, I could hear a running toilet from like the other side of the city. Just, I think there's a problem. You know, what's your superpower and where does it come from? Is it from the power of the yellow sun or juice from a flower that only grows in Wakanda? Or or were you bit by a genetically modified spider? What's your superpower? And where does it come from? What if God were your superpower? What if God would do whatever you wanted? What if God was like your, your, you know, your empowerment and was just going to be used at your disposal? Well, then you could do anything. You could do anything at all. You could do anything that you wanted. God gives me superpowers, and now I can do anything. Is that what Philippians 4.13 really says? I can do all this through Him who gives me Strength, or, or as it is popularly quoted, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Is God my superpower? Then I can do anything. 
Listen, here's what we're doing. In this series, we're calling the Bible Top Five. Depending on where you search around, you find different results. But we're looking at the most popular Bible verses. And, and, uh, and there's, there's different results about this, but there's kind of a family of verses, right? A group of verses that, that get the most clicks, that get the most searched, the most shared on social media, uh, the most, you know, passed along. And so we looked at that family of verses, and I've picked five of those verses, the top five that I want us to look at and study. See, because I've got a theory. What are people looking for in the Bible? What are people searching for when they look? I've got a theory that that actually the most popular verses are also the most popularly misunderstood. And in fact, the reason I think, and not to be pessimistic, but I think the reason that they get so searched and clicked and shared and all that is that sometimes the misunderstanding is actually the thing that people are excited about rather than the true meaning. I mean, who doesn't want to be all-powerful? I can do all things. That sounds pretty good. Does the Bible really say that? But what it does say is even better. It's even better. Philippians 4.13 in the New King James Version, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, that, if you just, that, just on the page, that's awesome, right? I mean, I can do whatever I try, I will succeed. Whatever I want to do, I am the captain of my faith. I can do anything, all things, you know, because God's going to back me up. God is, just imagine God like being your, your butler. Your, he's carrying your, you know, he's your, your sword bearer or whatever, your shield bearer. He's going to do whatever you want him to do. God's going to back me up for my personal goals. He's like my personal genie. Or he's, you know, imagine God is your iPhone. You just pull out, hey, well, to make God do whatever I want right now. And I'm going to be able to accomplish anything that I want to do. God does what I want to make my goals come to fruition. That sounds great, but it's obviously false. It's obviously false. Getting the Bible right is critical. You don't have any idea how many things in your life are going to get messed up and turned upside down when you don't get the Bible right. When you get a, a, a Bible verse upside down and confused, there is nothing more critical than getting the Word of God right. Even today, even in, in our post-Christendom, increasingly secular American culture, it is still the most important thing is to get the Word of God right. Think about this. When you get the Word of God wrong, what happens? Slavery gets defended. Um, geez, interracial marriage gets outlawed. Women get diminished. Children get abused. Creation gets misused. Native people get dominated and deculturated. Why? Because we're not understanding the Word of God right. We're abusing the Scriptures. Listen, you've got to get the Word of God right. Break your, uh, you know... Break the rules at school and you go to the principal's office. I know you can hardly remember that, but that's what happened. Break the rules of your HOA and you get a letter 
Get the, get the HOA wrong and you're going to get in trouble with your, your, your neighborhood. Get the U.S. Constitution wrong and there's problems. But you get the Word of God wrong and souls are in jeopardy. There's nothing more critical than getting the Word of God right. So let's look at Philippians 4.13 a little more carefully. Philippians is sometimes called the joy letter. You know that? The joy letter. The word joy appears five times in this little letter, and the verb to rejoice shows up nine times, nine times, right in this, in this one little letter. See, the, prom- the promise of the Bible, the Bible promises, I mean, the Bible promises struggle. The Bible promises tears. The Bible promises pain. The Bible promises that life is going to be hard. It, look at Jesus. Jesus, our model, the embodiment of the godly life. What did you, Jesus wept. The Bible promises it's going to be hard. But the Bible also promises joy. It promises joy. And how does that work? Pain and joy. Joy and pain. I think one of my favorite images of this is the, is the tree in, uh, in Psalm 1. In Psalm 1, there's a picture of a, of a tree. Let me read that for you, uh, if I can find it here. Uh, blessed, from Psalm 1, blessed, or, or you could say happy. The, the word is asher. Blessed or happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Man, do you ever get tired of just being steeped in sarcasm? Blessed is the one who does not go that way, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers. See, the tree goes through its seasons. Spring and summer and fall in the winter where there's no leaves. The tree goes through its seasons, but all along the way, it's rooted. And its root goes down. And it's situated right next to this stream, the streams of the Lord. And it is never without contact, without connection, without nourishment, like the waters of life from the Lord, from His law, His word. His spirit. The taproot is connected to the word of God and the spirit of God. And it never loses contact with deep happiness, with deep joy, with deep contentedness, peace that passes understanding in the Lord. See, Philippians, the joy letter, was written, and Nate Stratman mentioned this last week, was written by Paul while he was in chains imprisoned. The joy letter. Uh, we think Paul wrote uh, Philippians in A.D. 61, and, and what did Paul have to be joyful about that year? <laughs> was Paul a success? Paul knew nothing of success. Nothing of it. 
You see, Paul, he had, he had no idea what his writings would become. He had, he had no idea what he would become in history as a leader. In the, he didn't know that all that was going to play out. His first career, let's add up his life, his first career as a Pharisee was ended abruptly, right? His second career as a minister in, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in that second career, you know what? I want to tell you something. Paul was never fully trusted among those in power. He never gathered all his, all his great followers. His, his preaching never, only gathered a few. He did very little work in Jerusalem, the center of everything. You know, Peter, he would, he'd get out on the steps of Solomon's colonnade. Thousands of people would gather here and preach. 3,000 people baptized after one message. Paul never knew any of that. He went and he talked to small groups of people. He talked to onesies, twosies at a time. He gathered these small house churches city by city. All along the time, the, the, this false group of false teachers would come right along behind him. As soon as he left, they would move in and confuse everybody and mess everything up. What did Paul know Success. He was arrested, beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, snake bit, thrown in prison for years, waiting to get a hearing, and then sent to Rome just to go before an unjust, horrid, horrid man of an emperor named Nero who eventually took his head. That's the, that's the life of Paul. Where's the success in that? And he writes... From prison, the joy letter. By the time we get to chapter 4, our passage, we read verse 10, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So what happened? Paul, in prison, he received a gift from this church in Philippi. He received, a, he received money. He got money from them. You see, this little church that he knew, he probably only knew them for a short time, maybe a year and a half, but they had this tendency to follow after Paul, to ask after Paul, to send for messages about Paul. What's Paul doing now? And when they found that he was in need, they gathered up resources. They sent him to, to Paul. And so Paul, he's moved by that. He's grateful. Not just for the money, but for the relationship. And, you know, don't miss this. He's grateful that they get to participate in the mission of God by giving money. I mean, don't forget what a miracle that is. How we can participate in what God's doing, even when we can't be there. And so Paul, he's celebrating all that. But he says, listen, I want you to know this. You never give out of guilt. And you don't need to give to me out of some kind of guilt for what you think I'm going through. You don't, need to, you don't need to add extra money because I heard Paul's having a hard time because you know what the truth is? The truth is, says Paul, the truth is at my core, in the core of my being, Paul's fine. Paul's fine. So we get our Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I've learned the secret, says Paul, of being content. Always, I've learned the secret. The dominant philosophy of Paul's day 
dominant philosophy in, in Philippi was stoicism. Stoic, we think that's an adjective. It was actually a, it was a way of life. It was a, a worldview. And for the stoic, here's the deal. For the stoic, the key is, the secret, is to not let anything get to you. It doesn't get to me. I let it let go. I just let that go. So you can't phase me. I can stand in line at the DMV 12 hours. You know, it doesn't bother me. I can, uh, I can wear a mask through the airport. I can, uh, you know, I can, hey, it, it just doesn't phase me. I can sit in my basement for three months. It's cool. I mean, I can, uh, I can log into six different uh, t- learning platforms to produce two total hours of instruction for my nine-year-old son while simultaneously keeping up with work email, ordering out to support small business, washing my hands six times per day, and cutting my own hair. It doesn't bother me. I'm cool. I'm cool. I got it, right? I, I'm going to be fine. I mean, it just doesn't phase me. That's the stoic. The stoic. And Paul is actually quoting here a well-used stoic Slogan. This is like a stoic uh, bumper sticker they had in the back of their stoic wagon. Is that, that I have learned to be secret. I have learned the secret to be content. I've learned the secret to be content in all things. It doesn't faze me. I let that go. Does that sound familiar? And Paul's quoting the slogan. He says, yeah, I've learned the secret. Well, where, how do you do it, Paul. How do you get this superpower? How does he stay so cool? How does he keep himself so centered? The stoic is self-centered. But Paul is Christ-centered. We get our famous verse, verse 13. I can do all this through him. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. How can you do this, Paul? What's your superpower and where does it come from? How can you be so, so cool in the middle of all this mess? How can you stay so centered in the middle of all this disruption? How can you be? You're like, you're like more stoic than the Stoics. You're more Zen than the Zen masters. You're, you're more, how do you do it? How do you stay so? And Paul says, look, it's not me. It's him. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm Christ-sufficient. My life hangs from Jesus' own hands. It isn't, and it isn't, I've got this. And even much less is it I can do anything because God's going to back me up whatever I decide. No, it's God's got this. God holds my life. Christ is at the center of my life. That's the overcoming power. That's the secret. That's the good news. It's Jesus. Paul may mention joy 14 times in this little letter to his friends in Philippi, the joy letter. But he mentions Jesus 51 times. In 104 verses of this little letter, it's not not about anything at all but Jesus at the center. How do you do it, Paul? 
How do you stay so cool? How do you keep it together? I don't. Jesus does. I can't. Jesus can. My life is hidden in him. See, the true meaning of the verse is even better than the misunderstood meaning. I can do all things. Well, that's great. I mean, that's really, that's, that's nice, energetic self-talk. That's motivating, optimistic. Hey. But you know what's even better? It's when you realize that when you give up your agenda... You know, you stop looking at God as your butler. You stop looking at God as an app on your smartphone. You stop looking at God as someone who's going to back you up. And you give up your agenda and you set your life in His agenda. You give your life over to Him in Jesus Christ. And you follow what God has called you to do. When you're walking with Jesus and you're doing what God has called you to do, what's even better is that when you're in Christ, there's no power that can take you from His hands. There's no wave or force that can disrupt your peace. There's no obstacle that can keep you from the life that God has planned for you. There's no evil powerful enough to wrench you from his hands. The taproot reaches down to the water of life. No matter what's going on in the surface. True meaning is much better, much better. I mean, I don't know about you, but um, if, if God actually gave me the power to do whatever I want at any time and succeed at it, I don't think that would go so great. I know myself too well. You know? That sounds like good news. That sounds empowering. That sounds motivating. That sounds like a nice something to fire off in a meme or, or a, a little you know, social media hit or uh, uh, fire off in a note to a friend. But the truth is, the actual meaning is even better. If God calls you to something as you walk with Christ, no matter how hard it gets, He will never, never let you face it alone. You're not self-sufficient. You're Christ-sufficient. There's no way to control everything that comes at you in this world. There's no way to keep from experiencing hard things, struggles, waves of, of pain and disappointment, hardships. There's no way to escape that in this life. Even failure. But you're not the center. Jesus is the center. And he's got this. You're not self-sufficient. You're Christ-sufficient. Risk a relationship with Jesus. Center your life on him and see the better promise of Philippians 4.13. I've been thinking a lot about this quote by Eugene Peterson. He wrote some time ago, there are a great many things we can do little or nothing about. The weather is out of our hands. Other people's emotions are out of our hands. The economy is out of our hands. 
Mostly, we have to live with what families or our bodies or our government hands to us. There's a lot of truth in that. But he wrote, There is one enormous difference that is in our hands. We can offer up the center of our lives to the great revealed action of God's love for us. We can cultivate the vitality and centering of life that develops out of risking our lives in a relationship with God. Risk a relationship with Jesus. We don't have to be in control of every single thing. We don't have to be in control and conquering every single thing. We need to belong to God. Jesus. See, Jesus gave up control. He gave up control. Jesus allowed the world and its forces to work on him. Jesus, who's God, the core of being, the very center of the universe, the most powerful being that ever... There's nothing like the power of Jesus. He gave that power away. He let the world work on him. He was arrested, shamed, beaten, unjustly tried, killed on a cross. Never did, he, never did he bristle up, wait a minute, give me the secret power, I'm going to wreck all this. Now he gave himself away. Jesus, you see, he took on our powerlessness, our helplessness, so that you and I, in him, could have our lives grounded on an unshakable center. You and I could have our lives grounded on an unflappable life, life in Christ. You and I could have our taproot run down through the soil and into the water of life in Jesus Christ so that no matter what's happening on the surface... We can do it. We can make it. We can get through the storm. We have an imperturbable life, a peace that passes all understanding, our hearts, our minds in Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. No, I can't do whatever I want. And God doesn't say, I'm going to back you up. Whatever you want to do, it's going to be a success. It's going to be victory, victory, victory. Because I'm going to back you. That's not it. I can't do that. But when I succeed, and when I fail, when I laugh, when I cry, when I'm in joy, when I'm in pain, when I'm free, or when I'm in chains, I'm a child of God. I'm in Christ. He has my life. I'm rooted in Him. And I can make it. I can make it.
whatever happens, I can make it through. Not because of my strength, but because of him who strengthens me. That's the promise. Philippians 4.13. Lord Jesus, when we're facing the wind and the storm and everything is, is pushing against us, threatening to crack our lives apart. Oh Lord, the taproot runs deep. Your grip on us is strong. Our lives belong to you. We're centered in you. Lord, I'm not self-sufficient. I don't even want to be self-sufficient. I'm Christ-sufficient. I'm centered on you. You're my hope. You're my foundation. You're my joy. Come into my life, Jesus, my Savior, my Lord, and hold me steady. In Jesus' holy name. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.